Welcome to the Teachers on Fire podcast, where I profile agents of growth and transformation in education today. Each guest shares their highs, their lows, their passions, their goals, and the resources that are shaping their thinking and inspiring their practice. For show notes and links from each episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And of course, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Tim Cavey. Let's meet today's guest. Today, I'm speaking with George Valenzuela. George is both a graduate teaching assistant and doctoral student at Old Dominion University and the lead coach at Lifelong Learning Defined. He is a national faculty member of the Buck Institute for Education and a national teacher effectiveness coach for the Engineering by Design curriculum. His work is aimed at helping educators understand and implement computational thinking, computer science, STEM and STEAM, and project-based learning. George is a national presenter, ISTE author, and frequent contributor to books, academic journals, how-to blogs, and webinars. He is also the 2018 awardee of ISTE's Computer Science Excellence Award and recipient of the Lynn Barrier Engineering Leadership Award for his contributions to STEM education in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You can follow George on Twitter at GeorgeDoesPBL and on his blog at LifelongLearningDefined.com. George, what a resume, sir. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Are you ready to talk education? Yes, sir. I appreciate you having me, Tim. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. We connected a few weeks ago at an Edutopia Twitter chat. I look forward to coming back to that in a few minutes. But set the table for us. Tell us a little bit more about your current context in education. What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Well, my daily basis, my weekly basis, and my monthly basis is extremely busy. Um, I'm currently working out of Virginia, but I'm all over the country, and I'm working on four major things. I'm a teacher, number one. I teach at Old Dominion University in the Department of STEM Education, and I also teach on the weekends. I teach a computer science class for middle schoolers at a local math science center in Richmond, Virginia. I'm also working on my doctorate. I'm a coach and I travel all over the country. I work with educators and I'm an author. I do a lot of blogging and I'm also working on my first book which will be out through ISTE in the fall. Hey, that is super exciting. Maybe we'll come back to that in a little while. But first of all, George, it's story time. So if you don't mind, please share with us about a low moment or some kind of an experience of adversity that you've faced in your teaching or education journey and describe how you overcame it. Well, I think for me, the major thing about eight, nine years ago was a lack of confidence. And so at the time, I was a curriculum specialist with a school division, and I was responsible for STEM education. And I was very new to working with adults. And so I had a lot of ideas, and I had a lot of things that I thought were really important in STEM education, but I really felt like I really wasn't making any traction. And so there's a guy named Chad Ratliff. He's in Albemarle County Public Schools. And he's a big leader in, in maker education. And so, I, and so I approached Chad and I said, Chad, um, I feel like I really have some great ideas, but no one cares. And he said, you're right. No one cares how smart you are or, <laughs> or if you have great ideas, but they want to see his results. Mm. And so he said, you should go on Twitter 
and you should go on social media and you should really showcase what your students are doing. And if you do that, no one will ever disagree with you. And so at the time, I really was not very confident. I wasn't sure how to go about it, but I modeled his success and other people's success and I got a hang of it. And now, you know, it's all over the place. And so I feel really, really happy about that. But I'd say it was a lack of confidence at first. I love that point, George. And I think so many teachers have maybe that mix of imposter syndrome and some kind of a, a like a modesty or a humility. And they feel like, oh, I don't need to showcase my stuff. But the benefits are so rich when we hop into Twitter and we see what other educators are doing in their practice, whether we're looking at resources or shots or clips from their classrooms. I find that so helpful and so inspiring. So I think that's a great message to get out there. And I love what you are putting out on Twitter and Edutopia and all of these other contexts that you mentioned. So speaking of Edutopia, that's where we first connected. And it was around this topic of project-based learning. And, and George, that is something I am new to. I'm still making my way into PBL and, and trying to improve my craft. So that's really selfishly why you're on the show today, George. So, <laughs> so for teachers like me who still feel new or we're feeling our way into it, what advice comes first to mind for you? Well, I think that we should understand what PBL is first. Um, it's an instructional approach. It's, it's a way to teach. And so I would really look at something that I'm already doing in my classroom that's experiential, that is hands-on, and also minds-on. And I would look at the project design elements that uh, PBL Works has identified as what should be going into a gold standard PBL unit. And so I would start there and I would also model the success or I would look at the success of an educator that has already published an article or maybe a blog or even a video um, that's in my content area. Um, I would really connect any new learning to something I already know, which would be my content area if I'm a teacher just starting out. So I would start there look at what has been done and start there. I think that makes a lot of sense. So it, what I hear is baby steps. This is an incremental journey. Don't try to go too big, too fast. Just build slowly into what you're already doing. And, and George, that's something I can manage. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I think anything that we do, let's say 10, 15 times, eventually we will become an expert. You know, um, I think Tony Robbins said this repetition is the mother of skill. Mm. And so I just think that's a great way to look at things. Now, you mentioned PBL Works. Is that a go-to resource that every PBL teacher should be keeping in mind? Well, you actually mentioned Buck Institute for Education. Well, our new name is PBL Works. Ah, okay. And so, yes, if you're interested in PBL, I would definitely look at PBL Works. Um, there's a lot of models out there or there's a few models out there, ours is gold standard PBL. And it's built on two frameworks. One are the project design elements, and the other is the project-based teaching practices. So it's essentially what should go into a PBL unit and then how it should be taught. Okay, and I would imagine they have a lot of uh, ideas and, and uh, resources to sort of springboard the, the learning and the teaching there at PBL Works. 
Oh, for sure. There are um, articles on on research. There are how-to blogs, videos, planning forms, you name it. It's got you covered. George, as you look across your PLN and your own practice, and you mentioned traveling across the country, so you're seeing a lot of different schools and educational contexts. What is setting you on fire about education today? Well, there's definitely um, PBL. PBL has, from what I've seen, it really inspires teachers. It really inspires students. And I think that's what's needed now. Um, there's a quote that I heard from Mr. Rogers. And, you know, Mr. Fred Rogers a long time ago said, the most important people in the lives of students are parents and teachers. Therefore, the most important people in the world are parents and teachers. But I think when he said this, there was a lot more parents in the home. Hmm. And so what I'm finding, you know, not in all cases, but in many cases, I think that our teachers are the most consistent adults in the lives of a lot of kids. And so if we could make that time in the classroom enjoyable, meaningful and relevant. I think that's what's most important. That is fundamental. I think back to one of the OECD conditions for learning, and I think it reads, emotions are the gatekeepers for learning, meaning that if students don't feel safe, they don't feel happy, they're not going to be able to learn. And so teachers shouldn't apologize for bringing the fun into their classrooms. And I'm looking at myself there as well. I need to do a better job of that. George, you're also very involved in computational thinking and computer science. So talk to us about some of the work you've been doing in this area and what's exciting you when you think back over the last year of what students have been involved in, what they've been learning. Talk to us about your passion in this whole area. Yeah, sure. So my undergrad is in computer science. And so I think that was about 20 years ago. And looking back, not much has changed as far as the as the foundational um, core concepts or the core practices in CS. But what has really changed is where it lives in the curriculum, meaning it can be adapted in, in math, in, in science, in, in ELA, even in social studies. And so I am really, really intrigued by computational thinking. It doesn't only happen in coding. Um, it's a way to think. It's, it's a way to solve um, problems. And I think that if more teachers start to include this into their lesson plans, it not only helps students learn how to think, but also helps them understand how the creation of the technologies that they use every day, how that actually happens. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, I heard a stat from the BLS where 58%, I think, it's, I think that's accurate, 58% of STEM jobs are in computing. So it's only right that that's incorporated into, into what we teach. And actually, in the Commonwealth, where I live in Virginia, it's actually mandated that it be integrated into the standards of learning in our state. And so I'm actually working with folks to make that happen. Um, I do a lot of writing. Um, it's part of the book that I'm actually working on with ISTE, and so I'm really excited about that. Well, that leads me into my next question, George. I like to ask, how are you looking to grow professionally and improve your practice in the coming year? Can you share about a specific professional goal or a project that you're currently working on? So share with us more about the book. What is it about? And I don't know if it's too early to share the title, but... It's a working yeah. title 
but I think I can share it. It's called Rev Up Robotics with Computational Thinking and Programming. Nice. It's K through eight. And um, all right, so this is where educators should write this stuff down. I have found a lot of strength in numbers. And ISTE has truly, truly helped me with a professional learning network. And I found my tribe in my home in the STEM PLN. And I think every educator should find a professional learning network that he or she can subscribe to and work with others so that they can learn what to do in the classroom and also outside of the classroom. I think a lot of times we, we don't know how to disconnect, how to um, fill our cup, I should say. And I think um, working with others um, is key. Also, um, I think that you know, Dr. Covey talked about this in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he said, you have to work on your craft. And so I individually, outside of my schoolwork, outside of presentations, outside of writing, I think I must spend about 10 to 20 hours a week just on honing my craft and really becoming the type of educator that not only my students need, but that my teachers need when I'm coaching. And so I'd start there. Um, it's a lot of dedication. I don't think everyone should put in that amount of time, but I slowly built up to that. Um, it was a passion, which has turned into a purpose. Well, I love the sound of everything you're describing in terms of the self-critique and the continuous growth. And I look forward to the release of Rev Up Robotics. It sounds like you are a big fan of some of the work that Brian Aspinall is doing over at Codebreaker and Blockbreaker, and you are working in that same category. So very cool. Yes. Speaking of Brian, I sat in his keynote at No Fear Coding Lab. He's phenomenal. Yeah, I love listening to him as well. So uh, full disclosure, I, I don't really think of myself as a STEM educator first and foremost, George, but I do know that that's... You know, it's an area that I want to be more curious about, and I, I shouldn't say an area because it's huge. We're talking science, technology, engineering, math, right? And I teach a lot of that. So it's something that I want to cultivate in myself. One account on Twitter that I've been enjoying lately, and I think his handle is Daily Stem. Oh, Chris Woods. Chris Woods, yeah. Chris Woods, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal scholar, educator, and person. I highly recommend his YouTube channel, his Twitter channel. He's just a great guy. He, he not only understands STEM, but he knows his audience. And he's got a huge audience. And um, mm -hmm. that is something that I think a lot of educators that are influencing others need to learn. And he truly, truly knows his audience. And he puts stuff out every single day. And it's almost like he's catering to every single person that is his follower. And I truly appreciate that. Yeah. One thing that I admire about Chris is that here on summer holiday, he's still in that STEM frame of mind. And so some of the things he tweets out are, you know, just random pictures. He tweeted out a picture of a beetle the other day, and he was asking some thoughtful questions about, I can't even remember what it was, but let's say it was, you know, the size or the rate of speed, or he's always got like really, right? I mean, really good estimation questions. He did a video where he's on a road trip, and he figured out how to turn that into a STEM lesson. Just, I mean, it's just really a great guy. I highly recommend him. 
George, outside of education, what's another area of learning for you? What is it that ignites your passions when you are not speaking to teachers or presenting or blogging in the education space? Now, we just talked about how Chris Woods sort of integrates his learning and teaching into every part of life. So I know it's kind of hard to get away from education, but can you tell us about another area that really brings you alive? Well, I'm a self-growth, I think. And so I have a son and a daughter. My son just turned 14 and my daughter will be turning 17 um, in a couple of months. And so for me, um, it's just really learning how to understand relationships. I, I'm finding as I get older, you know, 40 now, that understanding how relationships work is critical, not just to your professional life, but your personal life. And so I found a really good book on Audible. It's by Travis Bradbury, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. And I know I'm late on it. (laughs) I know I'm late on this, but this has been something that I've been working on. And so I I can't begin to, to stress how important it's been to me and I think it can help others as well. I think I know that author. I I feel like he does a lot on Medium. Am I thinking of the right guy? I think so too. I actually saw him on LinkedIn and he had an article. And so I looked at the article and it said that he's the author of this book. And there's also a co-author is Gene Greaves. I think I'm saying that right. So I want to give Gene credit as well. All right. I will definitely take a look at that one. And we will circle back and ask you for another book pick here in a moment, George. But first of all, one more personal question. Share about a personal habit or a productivity hack that contributes to your success. I mean, you mentioned all of the different things that you're into. On In, in addition to uh, writing your dissertation or working on your PhD. So how do you get it all done? <laughs> You have to wake up extremely early. Um, I say about five. Um, you have to clear your head. Well, I'm talking about me now. I have to clear my head, you know, start with with some meditation. I think Dr. Wayne Dyer talked about that. And so I really focus on that in the morning and also learning from failure. I used to really be embarrassed about mistakes. And now I welcome them because I realize that in life, you really have more failures than you have successes. And really, what a success is, it's not that you're successful, it's just that you had a successful moment. And Hmm. so learning from all the mistakes and all the failures is what makes those happen even more. And so, yeah, that's my habit, I'd say. It's waking up early and learning from my mistakes. George, I'm trying to finish my master's this summer. It's it's slow going because there are so many other interesting distractions, but I recently started the Miracle Morning for Writers, and it sounds like you are already a believer in, in the, yep. the official Miracle Morning, or you've got your own version of it, but that is speaking my language there. Yeah, like I'm working on a book, I'm working on a dissertation, and if you look at all the blogs and articles that I have out, they would not be possible without waking up early. It's just a great practice. George, it's time for your quick picks. And here we want to know the education voices and resources that are shaping your practice and inspiring your thinking today. So starting at Twitter, we talked about the benefits of building a niched PLN there. Tell us about someone we should follow and share why they've been inspiring you lately. Well, I think Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's important. Um, I think everyone understands why. Um, He's really reshaping um, how we think about energy automobiles and also living 
Um, in education, though, I'd say Aya Badir is pretty impressive. She's the CEO and she's the founder of Little Bits. And she's a phenomenal lady. I, I got to meet her at ISTE. And I don't think I'll ever create something that will change how folks learn or, or how they teach. But I think that by me helping teachers teach, I think that's my way of, of helping the world. But she has made a product that has made forces, energy, and motion, and computer science accessible to every child and to every adult. And I highly recommend her. Next, George, point us to an EdTech tool that you currently love using somewhere in your professional practice, or maybe one that you see educators using in new and exciting ways. Well, in my classroom, I love the Code Kit by Little Bits. Um, not only are, are my kids building inventions that have circuits, but they're also learning how to code. And so I think that when you're coding, you need to truly understand the foundational principles or the foundational skills, like inputs, outputs, loops, functions, variables, and logic. And Little Bits has a CodeKit app that helps learners of all ages truly understand this in real time and through building a model. Um, it's game-based coding, actually. And so I really, really love this. I use it with adults and with students so they can understand computational thinking and also computer science. Next, recommend a book, George, one that you've been reading lately, and you've mentioned a couple of great ones already, or is there another one of your all-time faves that you would recommend? I recommend Relentless by Tim Grover. Tim was Michael Jordan's, not only his physical coach, but his mental coach. Also, Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant. And Tim really talks about how any person whether an educator, whether a parent, um, a business person, how they can get into the mindset of a champion. That's relentless. And Michael Jordan is the ultimate, ultimate relentless um, um, competitor. And so I highly recommend this book. Thank you for that. And next, George, are you a podcast listener? I know not everyone is, but if you are, tell us about one that you've got in your deck. Well, I have a couple. Number one is Teachers on Fire podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I got that. Also, I'm opening up my podcast right now, and I'm going to make sure this is muted. But I love your EdTech questions by ISTE, PBL in practice. And also, I have, it's a personal one, is Coach Corey Wayne. Coach Corey Wayne, understandingrelationships.com. This guy's the guru. He's the guru, and I love his podcast. Last question, George. Just for fun, strictly non-educational here, what are you watching on Netflix right now? And I know you don't have a lot of time for Netflix, but I would imagine you must get to the end of your day sometimes when you really don't have any mental energy left for anything productive. So if you do get a moment, what are you watching? Well, right now, I, I'm watching a special that really caught my attention. It's by Ava DuBernay. It's called When They See Us. It's about the Central Park five, the five kids that were arrested and, mm. and they spent some time in jail. And it talks about their story and, and what they went through. And it really, really has touched my heart. Um, I don't like to get too emotional, but it's a tearjerker. It's a tearjerker. Um, other than that, I like a lot of comedy. You know, I like Kevin Hart and things like that. So that's all on Netflix. But 
you know, honestly, I don't have a lot of time right now. I wish I did, but it's just one of those things. But what I will do is go see The Lion King. I already have a date with my son and my daughter, and we're going to go check it out. I'm not normally a big cartoon animation guy, but I think The Lion King looks pretty cool for sure. George, what are the best ways for the listeners to follow you and connect with everything you're into from PBL to computational thinking to robotics? You've got a lot to share. Where should people go to find you? I would go to Twitter and Instagram at George Does PBL and also on Facebook, Lifelong Learning Defined Incorporated. All right. Well, that keeps it pretty simple. Sounds good, George. And again, thank you so much for sharing your time with the podcast today. This has been fun and helpful for me. And hey, you're going to be another go-to resource as I start my second year in PBL. So take care, George, and let's talk again soon. Will do. Thanks for having me and happy PBL. Thanks for joining me today here on the Teachers on Fire podcast. For show notes and links from this episode, visit teachersonfire.net. You can also follow the show at Teachers on Fire on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And again, please do subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we sign off today, I'd like to share highlights from around the Teachers on Fire community this week. First of all, I'd like to invite you to leave any questions, suggestions, or feedback to the show in the form of a voice message. You can do so by locating Teachers on Fire in the Anchor app, or if you're on Voxer, leave me a message at Tim Cavey. Either way, I'd be thrilled to hear from you and feature your message in a future episode. Attention education bloggers and readers of blogs. I've launched into a new podcast called the Teacher Blogs Podcast a podcast for teachers who have more time to listen to blog posts than to read them. The mission of this podcast is to amplify the voices of education writers that are seen, read, but need to be heard. Last week's episodes featured posts from Lynn Thomas, Janelle McLaughlin, and Riley Duick, and your voice could be next. All you need to do is use your phone's voice memo app to record yourself reading your own blog post. Every iPhone has a voice memo app, and my wife actually showed me that the Google Keep app also allows you to record voice memos, so that's for you Android users. Then, once you've recorded the clip, use the share button to email the voice file to teacherblogspodcast at gmail.com. If you've written a blog post that you'd like me to consider featuring there, please message me at teacher underscore blogs on Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, I'd like to thank all of those who encourage and support Teachers on Fire there. At TeacherCast, and that's Jeffrey Bradbury, recently tweeted, Great podcasters to follow this summer. At Bry Briggs, at Teachers on Fire, at Jeff Gargas, at We Got Tech Ed, at Eduro Learning, hashtag podcast PD, hashtag podcast edu well thank you jeffrey for that that comes from the cast master himself and then at brian carr good friend of the show tweeted fresh air at five walked the wife to work 9.2 kilometers on this cloudy morning listen to at mr noon's teach and guest at the right leader episode 11 on at tnt ed tech that's the tnt ed tech podcast Speak about passion for this thing we do in education. Then, at LHB Loves EDU, episode 91, 
shared her passions for education on Teachers on Fire. Hashtag balance LAP. Well, thanks, Brian. I really appreciate the shout out. And yes, Letizion was an amazing guest full of passion for service and for others. And it's amazing to hear what she's doing in her community. And I appreciate the shout out for Scott Noon's podcast, TNT EdTech as well. Another recent friend of the show. And then at Jen Webster 78 tweeted to at Mama Wolf to two. So excited to learn from you. I loved listening to you share your experiences on Teachers on Fire. Thank you for sharing the highs and lows. I'm also inspired to begin podcasting with my students this year. Third grade would love more info on getting started. Well, thank you for that shout out, Jen. And just recently, I've started a public Twitter list of educators who are podcasting with students in the classroom. So I've added Mama Wolf to two. That's Jennifer Wolf, another former guest of the Teachers on Fire podcast. And if you are doing the same, Jen, I will add you as well. For anyone else listening, if you are, if you maybe have big plans to do some podcasting with your students this year in the classroom, first of all, that is awesome. I think it's an amazing way to create content in a form that students haven't really played with. And secondly, let's unite. Let's learn from each other. Reach out to me on Twitter at Teachers on Fire and let's start connecting more educators who are podcasting in the classroom. I feel like this is going to be a really fun year for podcasting. And then at Anik Roke, another good friend of the show and former guest tweeted, it is okay to step out. It's okay to dial it down. None of this business is worth our health and our families. Loving this episode of Teachers on Fire and the focus on mental health at the beginning. Thank you, Anik. And of course, Anik was referring to comments from Shane Lawrence, last guest on Teachers on Fire. And if you haven't heard that one, Shane shares a tremendous story of burnout and discouragement that he encountered as a drama teacher working, as he says, up to 100 hours a week to put on a production essentially by himself one year after another colleague had to go for personal reasons. And so he found himself in this unique situation, simply overwhelmed and overloaded. And he walks us through what that experience was like and the things he learned from it. So make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for the encouragement, Jeff, Brian, Jen, and Anik. You four were the fuel to my fire this week on Twitter. And if you have liked or retweeted or replied or engaged in any other way with my content there, I want to thank you so much. Your engagement helps other people see what the podcast is all about. I will also invite you to check out the Teachers on Fire magazine on Medium. This week we featured two stories, one by Lynn Thomas, who is making her way through the alphabet. Very cool series. This one was called L is for Light, and Lynn actually went into some poetry about the profession. It's short but sweet and profound. Make sure you take a look at that one. And then a little bit more controversial, a little bit more intense, was a piece from Caitlin Giordano called Indoctrination. How do we walk that line between informing our students and yet still teaching a culture of critical thinking? And that includes critical thinking toward what they hear from us. So great piece there as well. 
If you're wondering, what is the Teachers on Fire magazine and how do I find it? Well, it's a Medium publication and you'll find Medium at medium.com or on the Medium app for mobile. If you're already an education blogger, consider joining our growing writing team. You can continue to publish content on your own blog as you've always done and you keep full credit and ownership of your content on Medium. Message Teachers on Fire on any social media platform for more details. Again, I'm your host, Tim Cavey, and I'm so grateful that you decided to spend some of your day listening to this podcast. I hope that in some way the content you heard today ignited your thinking and inspired your practice. And I'll meet you next week right here on the Teachers on Fire podcast.